Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and the cardiac climber himself. It's Joe White. Cardiac climber. The cardiac climber, Joe. <laughs> wow, Shay. That's interesting. Yeah, I need to tell the people why I would call you such a I would a name. appreciate that. I've never been called it before in my life. Well, Joe White had some dreams came true this summer when when Joe was walking through the loss of his legs. One of his expressed desires was to climb cardiac. And after several years of working towards that this summer, every day, Joe White climbed Cardiac Hill out at Canicut K2 hmm. on his new set of legs. Joe, tell hmm. us about that. How'd that feel for you? Well, Shay, it wasn't every day, but it was a lot of days and it was very exciting. You know, I sat in a wheelchair for three years, I suppose, and had a really good time, by the way. I love my wheelchair. It was a blast. I love my crutches. You know, I've had a lot of help along the way and I've, I've enjoyed all of it. Honestly, I've enjoyed all of it. But I got me some cool graphite legs. Graphite, bro. They very look proud. nice. It looks very like some spaceship. You don't have graphite legs. You've no, got, sir. You're, you're, Mine are just fleshly. Yeah, fleshly. Uh, dying flesh. But anyway, I was very proud of my graphite legs. And so, you know, when you live next to a cardiac kill, what's a cardiac kill for? And why do we call it cardiac kill? Because, you know, you can have cardiac attacks out there. That's right. Very terrible. We run and get the blood pumping. You get the blood pumping. Yeah, so I just figured, what the heck, is cardiac kill out there. It's there to be climbed. So I'd get up and climb the hill in the mornings. And Anyway, yeah, it was a great summer for a lot yeah, of reasons besides that. For a lot of reasons, but we are very thankful that you were climbing cardiac. <laughs> that was a great accomplishment and a great inspiration. Oh, thank you. Joe, today, as you know, this is part two of our fatherlessness mm. podcast. Obviously, this is something that we're super passionate about. We established that in part A. If you guys haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go back. It's called Fatherlessness, A Call to Spiritual Fatherhood. And today we're going to talk about setting love in motion. I mean, I think that the, you know what we talked about in our last podcast, it's just so convincing. It just stirs up your spirit. Like we've got a problem in our culture and there's something that we can do about it. Mm. And I think the question we want to answer today is what? How do I take this love that's been stirred up in me and, and put it into motion? And Joe, we've got two amazing yeah, we do. godly men in here to speak into the topic, and I'll allow you to introduce them. Yeah, we do. So Shay Scott Morris is sitting on my left. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scott Morris, thank you very much. Scott played football for Army, the institution, the great historic institution of Army. And he uh, played linemen. We call them hogs. We, we, we're very proud of that, as linemen are. Uh, we're not the smartest people on the football field necessarily, but we, but we know how to fight hard. Uh, Scott was one of the smartest, as actually many linemen are, to tell you the truth. Uh, he's also a professor uh, at Army, uh, which is a, quite a distinction for an alumni football player. He's about six four five or so and weighs about 250 <laughs> or so. I have no idea what, but he, he's a man's man. He's got and feet he, and hands that are huge. Coach, he does. I mean, he is a guy guy. And he also is a really wonderful father. He's got two large sons, and they're also football players. And Shay, if you've ever met two nicer young men, teenage boys, I'd love to know who they are. His sons are a testimony to the man 
that Lieutenant Colonel Scott Morse is. One thing I'm the most excited about is that Scott is the director of our new father-son camp that opened this summer and will open in more full bloom next summer. Boy, am I excited Scott's doing that, that fathers and sons will be able to come to Kanakuk for a week together and experience father-son-ness and will also welcome sons and mentors uh, it won't necessarily be biological fathers, it'll be stepdads, granddads, uncles, or a strong male figure in a fatherless young man's life. And Jay, I can't say enough about how much I want every son mm -hmm. to bring their father and their father bring every son or mentor or stepdad to Scott's father-son camp. It'll be going on full blast next summer. Ward Weeby is, if there's a more admired man around Kanakuk. I don't know who he is. Our directors all look up to and want to be more like Ward Weeby. That's right. Ward has been with us for a, a number of years. He's been director at K-West since the 1980s. He still directs K-West, our camp, our fabulous camp for middle school kids. And they love K-West because Ward set such a clear path for that camp for success. Ward also has two sons that are just stellar, just fabulous young men. And I know he'll give most of the credit to his wife, Beth, who will give a lot of the credit to as well. Uh, <laughs> she's Miss Sunshine. Ward's a motocross guy. He's, he's, a, he's a guy guy as well. He's a man's man. He's, um, you know, Shay, I don't know if you know this, but Ward's grandfather, his great-grandfather and his great-great-grandfather were all mayors of towns. They were all I'm mayors. I'm not surprised. Yes. Yes. Ward? Yeah. You have one final swan song to sing. <laughs> I can but see you as Branson Mayor. The Weebies are special guys. Boy, are we thankful to have Scott and Ward on this podcast. Absolutely. Some of the greatest content that happens in this room happens when the mic is off. And before we got started, Ward started talking over here and I said, stop it. This material is too good. And so, Ward, I want to I pick this up where you left off. Word comes in and he says, this isn't my first podcast he's done. Alluded that you've got experience behind the mic. Ward, do tell. Tell the whole audience. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Come out with it. Well, Joe, before you were here, Shay was making a point like, this is your like third or fourth podcast, Ward. And I was like, well, actually, if you're counting, it's probably more like in the 300s. He's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, when I was in high school, I had my own radio show. No. Wasn't quite like you no. on with Dr. Dobson, but on Tuesday nights, it was Tuesday nights with Ward, my own like radio the show. <laughs> There's no yeah. way this is true. I have no idea. Is there like yeah. a, a big brainstorm yeah. session? Tuesday yeah. nights with Ward. <laughs> Tuesday nights with Ward. And I played a lot of public service announcements and talked about the school and played hits from the 70s. So there you go. Been been behind the mic a little bit in another era in another place. Ward Weeby, around every corner, I'm this man will surprise you. Dumbfounded. Episode 303 with Ward Weeby. <laughs> it's Tuesday. <laughs> yes! Oh, I'm my. glad. Did we get that on? We recorded that, Essie? That's some we good content. So. Okay, well, let's jump into the conversation, fellas. Let me, let me tee it off with a, a good question. How did each of you experience fatherly love from your dad or a spiritual father in your life? I just want to, I want to tee it up with personal experience. What are some of those memories that impacted you that continue to influence the man you are today? I would have to say it was the example of time 
that my dad spent time. You know, love is spelled time. And when I think of how my dad poured into me, first I remember that that he didn't have a dad to look up to. He lost his father at a young age, and you know, let me know that he felt like he was making it up a lot of the time growing up. But it was mm-hmm. it was the camping trips. It was coaching my little league team. It was taking me out in the yard and teaching me how to how to deep snap a, a football. It was just the time, you know, going mm-hmm. going skiing, you know, getting on the lake. So he taught me that that love is spelled time. And how has that influenced you today as a dad? Oh, yeah, I'm all in. I mean, I coached little league. I'm I'm still coaching football. Uh, the national championship football team last year, <laughs> homeschool football team. Yeah, that's right. Scott yeah. and his boys. Yeah, yeah, that was yep. special. Yeah, the national homeschool football championship. So we did that. Scouts, you know, when they were little, and I thought, well, what kind of organization can I get them into and get outdoors and get active and start developing young men? You know, we got involved in that and so grew up camping with them and just finding a way to engage and be active with them in, in whatever way I could. Yeah. So that's, that's so a lasting good. legacy. Yeah. Love that. And and that really is evident in your life. I mean, your your boys helped you with the father-son camp when you're running around doing errands, you know, within safety and security at camp. They're there by your side. They love you too. I mean, those are t- two respectful boys that love and admire you. And it's it's clear to see. Ward, how about you? Shay, not everybody is blessed with the situation that the Weeby family is in or that I was in growing up. You know, our family has a saying that I have two brothers and the three of us talk about how my dad casts a very long shadow. He passed away four or five years ago. We still miss him. And we talk about the shadow that he had casted during his life, meaning that he he was uh, tall not only in stature, but just in the man that he was in his character. And mm. I think all three of us aspire to follow in his footsteps. He was he was a father who was, I would say, two things off the top of my head. He he was engaged in our lives, much like Scott, you know, you referred to. And he was an example when he was engaged with us. And those two things have, have left an impact on the three Weeby sons to him uh, and are a, there's just an enormous influence in my life today because of the dad that I had. I was mm-hmm. fortunate enough to be blessed with a dad that was in that category. Joe, what do you think about with Spike as you look back? Oh, Shay, that's yeah, that's a great question. Endless answer. I just think of one thing. He, Daddy always encouraged the wins. You know, when I was playing, uh, you know, down to SMU, he was at every game, uh, which was really tough for him. He was a really, really driven, hardworking man. And I'd walk off on the field, and all I could think of was all the bad plays and the mistakes I'd made on the field. But but he always found the wins in what I had done. I, I couldn't believe it because I couldn't find any. But one time he told me when I was maybe 23 years old and just beginning my professional life, he said, you're only limited by your energy and your imagination. He was a guy that knew how to make encouragement work hmm. and make encouragement the driving force of a young man's life. Wow. You know, as I, I sit and think about my dad, I think about a guy who's gotten better and better with every year that's gone by as a dad. I mean, I just, I feel like I fall in love with my dad more and more every year. 
and we're extremely blessed really both of our, our grandparents, but, you know, my dad specifically lives in town. They're building a little place on our farm and he is a part of our family's life. You know, he's a part of my kid's life and, and dad's always been steady. Like no matter what is happening, mm -hmm. Rob Robbins is steady. I just, I mean, that impacts me big time and the, the kind of man that I am and the way that I carry myself with my family and my kids. And even the way I lead a team, boy, we could, we could talk for hours about our dads. I want to really focus on two environments where spiritual fatherlessness exists and how we can make an impact. So the first one is, is within a home. And then the second one is within a community. You know, maybe just in the inspiration of a, of a Rob Robbins getting better with every year, it, it's let's start in the home and how we can put love in motion. So I want to ask you guys this question first. So in regard to the home, what, are, what do you think some of the reasons that spiritual fatherlessness exists in a home where the father is physically present? Jay, I think our culture is trying to convince us that that's okay. You drop them off at school, they stay for their extracurriculars, they come home, everyone's tired. You might have more planned. You can get online and really... Parents can quickly be relegated to babysitters. It's easy mm -hmm. to Netflix and chill. Right. And so I, I, I just think it's, it's, a, it's comfort. You know, and I re read a recent study where preachers listed that as the number one problem with their parishioners is that they, they put too much into their comfort. So that I think it's our culture that's making it easy for us. Right. You think about how individualized entertainment's become, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, it's one thing to sit around in the living room and all watch Monday night football together. And really the TV would have been the, I don't know, the family's focus right. for relaxation, you know, in the decades that preceded us. But now it's, it's individual devices, mm -hmm. which is a separating force. Yeah. What else? Shay, for me, just to throw a couple comments in the mixing bowl, I, I think it's a fight for for what really matters for all of us and like what we see as important and what we see as priority. And Scott, I agree with you. Our culture can grab at us in so many different ways. And so when we understand really what's important and why we're here, I believe that makes us engage in, in the things that really matter that are most important. I'll just use a quick illustration, not to talk about just my own home, but last night, there was a huge, uh, huge football game on, and my wife and I were all ready after supper to watch the game, watch the first couple quarters when halftime happened. She moved upstairs to watch the game because it was getting late, and I stayed. I just hadn't, I hadn't been in the Word of God like I wanted to be in the Word of God. And so I took some time just to get in my Bible. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but just had felt a conviction that that was important for me to be in the Bible and make that a priority. And so about the third quarter, she popped out and she goes, where are you? What are you doing? And I'm just down here catching up on some of my reading. And so I think as a, as, as a father, you know, there's a lot of things that pull at us as our marriage, our job, our work, our friends, our kids, all of those things that pull at us. But I think when we shake it through the, the sifter, we have to have to really ask ourselves what matters and the things that really matter are the things that will grab our time and attention. When I first started doing youth ministry in 2004, I lived in Hermosa Beach, California. The church that I attended called Journey of Faith was in Torrance. Just on the other side of Torrance was Compton. 
And so the this little church pulled from an extremely dynamic uh, demographic of people. So obviously the beach was extremely wealthy families. Torrance, uh, I would say, was pretty pretty wealthy, and then Compton was much a lower end, obviously. And and the kids that we were working with all had the same problems. They had the same issues. I don't I don't want to get into any stereotypes, but there was kids that had stable father figures in their lives, but they were dealing with the same issues of kids that didn't have a dad even in the picture because neither of them were emotionally present. And and they were both pulled away for different reasons, but you can be in the home and still be absent as a father. That's kind of scary. You know, there's all kinds of selfish reasons that we can get pulled away. And so I think it's important that we talk about those Hey listeners, Shay Robbins here. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd like to personally ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. With your help, we can continue to reach more listeners. We're excited to hear from you. Please send questions to our team for a special audience Q&A recording in the future. Additionally, we're also interested to hear your suggestions for guests and topics. Send your questions and suggestions to podcast at canacuck.com. And now back to the show. Here's a good follow-up, Joe, and I'd love to bounce this one to you. As these barriers find their way in our lives, and they can happen just wonderfully well-meaning dads, how do you go about breaking barriers within your home? Yeah, Shay, I I speak with passion when I answer that question. I've met with and counseled with thousands of high school kids over the years, and often the kids that are in trouble that I work with, I'll ask them a question, tell me about your relationship with your father, and their faces will tighten up and they grit their teeth and and they'll their eyes will, you know, furrow in their brow and they'll either say, I don't, I don't like my father, I don't know my father, my father never shows up, my father, you know, cheats on my mom, my father, and it's like the title of the book, Orphans at Home, you know. They're, they're not orphans, but they feel like orphans. They feel like they're fatherly orphaned. And so when a father is gripped with the necessity of how badly his kid is crying for his involvement in their life, and not just being there, but being there with a smile, being there with a hug, being there with an encouraging word, being there to, to be a, a helper, a coach, a friend, Because if you're not, dads, if you're not, the likelihood of your child being in a lot of trouble with substances and porn and all kinds of other vices in his life, rebellion and all that goes with it, it will probably happen. And so, Shay, I think the number one barrier is just realizing the absolute 100% necessity that my boy, my little girl need a daddy in their life. And if they don't have me, if I'm not getting in their life, there's going to be trouble around the house. You know, kids that are fatherless, as we'll talk about later in the show, there's actually ways that a single mom or even a kid that doesn't have a mom or a dad can find a, uh, a caring man as a grandfather, as an uncle, as a football coach, as a teacher, as a youth leader, they can fill that role well, but for those of us that are fathers, the screaming cry of our kids for our involvement in their lives is so loud, Shay, 
that it crushes that barrier you're talking about like broken glass deads. They need you in their life. Mm-hmm. Ward, when there is anger or bitterness or resentment that has created a barrier between a father and a child, where does that dad start? Well, again, just going back to the example of my dad and and knowing somebody that's engaged that realizes uh, what the needs of his his kids are, kind of has that pulse on where they are and understands the importance of that relationship. They're engaged. They they recognize what's going on. I think there's no greater example uh, that a father can have that when he he comes humbly to humble himself and initiate opening the door mm-hmm. uh, for what's happening. And that might just be a, a lead-in conversation of, uh, hey, I know you're hurting. I can see you're upset. I know this week didn't go the way we planned it. Uh, is this an okay time for you and I to talk about it? And opening that door and being the initiator. And sometimes that'll feel awkward, but like Joe is, is saying, it's our children need us to lean in and open those doors when we see that there is hurt. And sometimes that might be before they hit the pillow uh, when they're going to bed. Other times that might be as you're in carpool driving them. Other times that can be taking them to you know, lunch or whatever. But all of those are opportunities to have that set of eyes really to respond what, what Joe is saying, that our, our kids need us. And we just need to have the courage to step forward, to open that door, to start that initiation to where we want to make that friendship and that relationship with our kids the greatest one on the planet. And Shay, just hitchhiking on words, words of wisdom, if the door's rusty, dads, and I know for, for me, the doors got rusty sometimes. And for probably you listening, you probably, there's a rusty door mm. uh, between you and your son. And probably by this podcast, you're probably inspired. What, 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 how do I open it? But the crowbar, the universal crowbar that opens a rusty door is to humbly say, I am sorry. Mm-hmm. Will you forgive me? I, I remember my oldest was three years old. I forgot what happened, but I know I came back with anger. I knew that I'd slammed a door and I, I was afraid I would have slammed it for you know, I mean, I didn't use a four-letter word. I mean, just, it was just, it was just, a, I had a terrible attitude in the way I approached that child. And that night, you know, just getting on my knees and saying, will you forgive me? I, you know, my attitude was awful today. And I, and I remember the child, you know, putting her hand on my shoulder and saying, that's all right, daddy. Um, but it opened that door that Ward's talking about. Awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. important that you let them see that brokenness in you, that, that you let them see uh, that you're not going to, you're not going to stop. You're going to keep busting through those barriers, anything mm-hmm. for them. And what they're going to, what they're going to learn over time is that true strength happens at the bottom when you take a deep breath and you push yourself back up again, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so they can see you at your best, but they need to see you at your worst and know that's okay because otherwise they're going to, they're going to keep this impossible expectation on their shoulders, this crushing weight that is, is crushing kids. Mm-hmm. If they don't know it's okay to go for it and to fail, to fall short, but then to show that true strength by getting back up again. Mm-hmm. we got to show them that. Yeah. Fellas, what would, what would you say are some practical ways to set love in motion? 
as a spiritual father. Yeah, it's that time and not being afraid uh, to to tackle what comes up. And they're going to ask you some hard questions sooner than you're ready to answer them. Hmm. And when you're not sure what to say, you just say, well, you know, why don't, why don't we take a look at the Bible and what it says about this topic? And that's always your, your go-to backup if you don't have that answer prep. Happened a few times uh, to everybody, I'm sure. I think being a great listener mm. is something that dads, generally speaking, can get better at. Asking a good open-ended question and then sitting and listening and then digging a little bit deeper. Joe's a master with the, the question, how did that make you feel? How did that make you feel to seek understanding? Shay, in answer to your question, uh, making it a practice, dads, to catch your child in the act of doing something good and tell them about it. Sounds so simple, but it's so big. When that becomes your DNA as a father, those kids see my dad coming around He's going to be looking for something good that I'm doing. He's going to be the one guy that I can depend on. It's going to be my biggest cheerleader. And then the other one is finding things that your child does well. It may be chess. It may be painting. It may be playing with race cars. It might be putting together toy airplanes. It doesn't matter. And it certainly may not be the thing you like to do. That doesn't matter. <laughs> It'll become the thing you like to do. But if you find the thing that your child loves to do, it may be getting up in the morning and taking a jog with your child. My daughter uh, is a sophomore in high school, want to go running in the mornings. Well, there's nothing I'd less rather do in the morning at six o'clock than go for a jog. But that's what that little girl wanted to do. And that became the greatest time of the day, you know, for me. But as we come alongside of our children and help them succeed in what they like to do, what they're gifted to do, Scott and Shay, like you coaching your son in football, it is the greatest way in the world hmm. to build a great relationship with your child. Well, that's good because I'm terrible at chess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think a key, honestly, is is sacrificing, you know, personally. I think a game of golf takes a long time on a Saturday. And honestly, when you got a family, that represents a lot of opportunity to invest in your family. It might be a season of life to give up golf and start spending time with your kids. And if you're fortunate enough to have a kiddo that loves to play, then you're golden and you're good to go. <laughs> Ward, why don't you give us one on that, one one last practical way to set love in motion? Well, maybe to tie a ribbon around this, I can just go back to Joe. Uh, we talked about this years ago when you would come and chat with the parents of Kay West. But if you want to make those inroads and open those doors and put love into action, you want things to change overnight. I think you gave a little FedEx talk, and it was three things that we're talking about here today. You want your relationship changed overnight. The first thing you need to do is exercise forgiveness and what we've talked about here today. The second thing is you need to heap encouragement on when you catch your kids in the act of doing right. And sometimes they may not do it 100% right. They might be part of the way there. We got to encourage them in the things that we do see them doing that are right. And then finally, a daily dose of God's word at some point, a little devotional at the breakfast table 
a little thought before they're going to bed. So I've always thought of those three things as a mm-hmm. father and a dad, forgiveness, encouragement, and a daily dose of, of God's word. That's a great summation, Ward. Let's turn our focus to the community. We're running a little bit short on time. Obviously, we, we've already established the need in regard to spiritual fathers, fatherlessness in our community. What does it look like you know, to fill that role? in a kid outside of your family who needs a spiritual father? How do you initiate those relationships? And what's it look like to take on that role? Shay, I love this with my my work with, with youth for now almost, you know, it's over 40 years. Again, I just have eyes and a heart for kids in general, but to see those kids who have uh, no father, literally are orphans or are struggling and don't have that relationship, I'm drawn to them. And I can think of story after story of, working with one young man whose dad had some medical problems, but he just literally could not uh, function as a dad. He had some brain aneurysms and stuff, but every week uh, we would go do the same thing together at the same place and, and do some same, you know, just this consistency of being present on a weekly basis, stepping into the space that his dad literally could not fulfill, not because he didn't want to, just because of medical issues. And I can think of kids in, in my K-Life years and Canuck years that didn't have dads and stepping into those spaces uh, where I could, that I couldn't be there full time, but certainly it's just an easy thing. And I know I'm stating the obvious, but it's having eyes to see those kids and then pulling them in, pulling them actually even along with my own kids as we raised uh, our sons. Uh, it's just a natural draw to me. So it's that, again, it's opening that door you might be afraid to open, might have a little rust on, but you get into that kid's life you begin to be consistent and you begin to model the same things that we're talking about mm. here today. So good, Ward. Joe, you got anything to add? You've been at this for a long time. Shay, if, if you're if you're a dad that's listening, you've got a son um, age, oh my goodness, any school age, any school age, elementary, junior high school, you're in for a real treat, dads, when you take your son and six other guys or five or seven or eight in his grade Hopefully, some of them fatherless, and you commit to a weekly small group Bible study, your son and these other boys tell you, did it for years, greatest thing in the world, you get to be father to the fatherless, to boys in his circle, maybe they're his best friends, maybe they're just guys in the school, in his age group, but you get to influence your spiritual uh, gifts uh, your love for kids uh, with the other guys at school. You also give him a platform on which to begin to share his faith. Men, you will find a new fruit tree in your front yard that you will you will enjoy as much as any fruit tree you've ever eaten off of in your life. If you haven't done that, boy, this year's a great year to get started. There's a lot of boys around your son that need a spiritual pop, and there's none as good as you. Hmm. That's so good, Joe. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up there. I mean, we could go on and on, but but I think that, you know, what we've touched on is a really great place to start. And it doesn't need to be overwhelming, you know, within your home. It's the mindset like, I want to get better today, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be more present, more intentional, more effective spiritual daddy. And it might be one change, you know, that you practice for the next week or the next month. And what will happen is you'll gain momentum. And a month from now, you might say, you know what, I'm going to take the next step. And then 
the momentum continues to build. And it's no different outside your home. And Joe, we'll pass it back to you for just our closing exhortation. Shay, I think about Keith Chancy, and I'm thinking about the moms listening out there, moms who are out there doing it all by yourself. Something has happened to your husband and you're alone. Maybe your child just has never had a, a present father in their lives. And I think about uh, Keith Chancy, one of our really great directors who does such a fabulous job with kids, especially fatherless kids. His father was never around. His mother was a champion. They were very, very poor, very, very poor. They moved from a very difficult housing arrangements to the next, just no money at all, utter poverty. But his mom was in there fighting for that boy every single day. And he talked about one day as a football player, he was out there running a pass route. Keith was a very talented football player. It, it was Father's Day for the team, honoring fathers. Of course, Keith didn't have a father out there to honor him. But he looked down the line. He was out running an out route. And, and there were all the fathers lined up proudly in their blue jeans on the sideline and their, you know, guy shirts and guy baseball caps uh, on the sidelines uh, honoring their son. And right there in number 25 or number 17 or whatever it was, was his mom. She wasn't very big. <laughs> pair of blue jeans, pair of work boots, man shirt, cowboy hat, yes. shirt tucked in, just as proud as she could be of her son out there like every other dad out there on the field. These moms, Shay, that are out there doing it sometimes alone are heroes of our society. Yes, they are. And there will be help around the neighborhood. Don't be afraid to reach out for it, moms. There's a lot of us, like the guys around this table, who love being a pinch hitter for the father mm -hmm. who's not there. That's right. Amen. Put him on a team with a great man. <laughs> Send to the Boys and Girls Club who have awesome mentors. Get them involved in the church that are filled with youth workers. Send them to camp in the summer. There are men out there that want to come alongside your family. Gentlemen, thank you for sharing your time with us today. We thank our audience for uh, devoting a little bit of time to this podcast. We hope today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. And with that, I would love to pray for you. Father, we just come to you today on behalf of... All of our listeners, wherever they're at, we trust, God, that you're, you're using this to stir up their spirit one way or another. And we pray for encouragement. We pray for direction. We pray for one young man or one young woman that needs somebody to invest in their life and, and that listeners would step up and to fill that, that void, that they would be uh, Jesus with skin on and show those kids how much they're loved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com. Mm -hmm.